This is the Pathways Podcast. This podcast exists to help you find completeness in Jesus. I want to welcome you to the Pathways Podcast. This podcast exists uh, to help you be complete in Jesus. My name is Scott Insminger, one of the co-hosts of the Pathways Podcast, and my co-host, Peter Buckland. Hey, Scott. Hey, Peter. Today, we're going to be talking about something a little bit uh, differently. We usually talk about different rhythms and, and things like that on this podcast. And today, we're talking about a subject, and this is going to be a two-part uh, podcast. So first part will be this month, and part two will be next month, but we're going to be talking about anger. Peter, you've been working on this information for a few weeks now. Um, just tell us what you have learned or where you want to start at with this conversation of anger. We are in such an angry culture right now, Scott, that we've even noticed um, in our ministry at the church that people are experiencing a lot of real negative emotion that shows up as anger. There's a lot of unmet needs. There's a lot of expectation. um, There's a lot of hurt that's out there. And it often displays itself as angry outbursts Hmm. in some way. Uh, We can see it in the culture around us. You can see it in the media recently. You can see it in the news. You can see it in politics. You can feel it when you're working with people. So in taking a look at this very powerful emotion that we have that just moves us to say and do things that for many of us, we wish that we didn't say and do when we look back on it, um, we thought that it would be a really good job, a really good time maybe to have this opportunity to talk about anger and talk about it from a biblical perspective. What does the scripture say about this powerful emotion? And then what are some actual practical steps that we can take that will help us to um, allow for the Holy Spirit to transform us and for us to work with God's Spirit to become uh, people who are more peaceful? So this first part's going to be about what anger is and some spiritual components about it, and then part two will be uh, some biological and psychological aspects to overcoming anger. So where do you want to start with this? Well, I, I would really like to start with Scripture Okay, with this. You know, just taking a look at um, what the Bible has to say about anger, because it is such a universal experience. Everybody who listens to this podcast is going to experience anger. And as you read through Scripture, um, you're going to come across statements like in James chapter 1, uh, verse 17, where it says that the anger of a person does not accomplish the righteous life that God wants. And you just start paused by that. It's like, well, anger is such a universal experience. Then how can my anger influence my life? And what happens when I use anger? And how is that so negative? And then we, we look in Colossians where it says that we're to rid ourselves of anger. And the word anger there also includes the word fury, which is what I love about it, and might actually lean into the idea of wrath, and that we are to also rid ourselves of rage, which is like passionate outbursts, where we're really, really angry, and we just have lost control. And we're to rid ourselves of malice, which is hostility against somebody that we don't like with the possibility of actually harming them, and that we are to rid ourselves of slander, which is to speak against somebody and their reputation. Scripture is very clear. Get rid of that stuff. Your anger, your responses in that way as a person do not accomplish the righteous life that God has for you. And it is 
too powerful. And so our question is, well, what do we do instead? And I think that people get trapped in cycles to where one little thing just tips them off in a really, really angry way because there's so much pressure that people feel when they get disappointed, when they get angry, when they get frustrated. What happens is that one little thing tends to blow up the whole situation into a great big wrathful, slanderous, malice uh, encounter that they have with people. And I think that's worth talking about when we're looking at disciples because we create an environment around us. And if the environment that I create around me is one that's unpredictable, people aren't going to feel safe. They're not going to feel comfortable. They're not going to feel like I really care about them. And they're going to be nervous. And if I can create an environment where I'm not using this powerful emotion in these negative ways that we're talking about with anger and rage and malice and um, slander, then it's going to be safer to be around me when something really difficult happens. And that's really what one of my goals is. How can we have these big emotions, learn how to process them so that the environment around us with the people that are in it can still be as positive as possible? Is there another verse that uh, comes to mind that you want to talk about or use before we get started? Yeah, um, Colossians has some really great passages in that Mm. First one, Colossians, um, starts with verse 5, that little section that I read where it says, to put to death, therefore, these things. Um, but you might want to ask yourself, well, why? Why should I put those things to death? Why, why is it that I should rid myself of this? And Colossians chapter 3, verse 10 says, because we've taken off our old self with its practices and we've put on our new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. Hmm. The brilliance of God is that I put something down, but I have to take something up. And so if I focus on not being angry, I will end up being more angry, which is what we're gonna talk about in part two. So if I really dive into this and I spend too much time looking at why am I mad and what do I feel like when I'm mad and I just need to not be mad, I end up putting more focus on being mad and angry and wrathful than really what I should. And what the scripture is saying is, okay, I'll just use my own name. Okay, Peter, you could get really angry. Instead of focusing in on not being angry, you have to focus in on being what you should be in Christ, which is to put down what is harmful to your witness, put down what is harmful to your environment, put down that explosive passion of wrath, put down those words that you could say that would be really ugly if they were made public, put down that strong negative emotion where you might actually want to hurt somebody, put that down and pick up something else instead. So I was, I was taught as a, as a kid, uh, the church that I went to, that it's okay to be angry as long as the anger doesn't cause me to sin. Right. Is that accurate? Um, what I would say is this, that the scripture recognizes that we are going to be angry. And then the scripture says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Be angry and don't sin. So sometimes the way that you said that makes it sound like, well, it's okay that I'm mad. The Bible said that I could be mad. Well, that's not really what the emphasis is. I think the emphasis is the Bible, God recognizes that we're going to be angry and that I don't want to do anything that would justify my own position because when we get angry, we lose our objectivity. Mm. And I could think, well, you said that word and, and I should be offended by that because I don't like that word. So it's okay for me to be mad. Well, it's a bigger issue than that. 
we're called to be peacemakers. We're called to go the extra mile. We're called to um, lay down ourselves, to crucify ourselves and pick up Christ. And when you look at Jesus being mad, he just wasn't flashy. He wasn't just mad about stuff that he didn't like. I'm sure he didn't like a lot of things. Um, So some theologians will say, you can have righteous indignation. And I look at that and I think, I gotta be careful because righteous indignation could be considered what what I don't like Hmm. because I'm a Christian and I don't like that, so that's righteous indignation. Or the Bible says, don't do that, so that's righteous indignation. But the problem is that I treat that individual like an object of wrath. And I'm never to treat another person like they should ever deserve my wrath because wrath is reserved for God, not for us. In a study of the Old Testament that I did for this, the scripture talks about how we are not to be wrathful toward people, but that God is the one who is wrathful. And so even when you're looking at what we're talking about, about being angry, there are degrees of anger. And the way that I like to look at it is regardless of what's going on, I could have a response of anger. That response could be a little bit of anger or that could be a lot of anger. And the scripture tells me that if I act on that anger and I go after that person in that anger, um, I could actually harm that person who's created in God's image and that I need to have a particular response, a better response than just going after that person and being wrathful and angry and treat them like an object, like they don't care, like they don't have value. And so when I'm thinking about your original statement, it's okay to be mad. I just look on that and I like to reframe it to say, no, there will be times that I will be mad, Mm. but I need to be very, very careful that I don't just look on that and say, well, I have a good reason to be mad. And if you didn't do that, then I wouldn't be mad. That's, that's not right. You can treat me any way you want to, and I don't have to be mad about it. But when I give you control of my emotions, and let's just say that you say something, Scott, to, to me that offends me. You post something that offends me. You, you say something that is not in line with Scripture. There are many different ways for me to respond rather than be mad. But now we seem to have reduced our dialogue to name-calling, which is one of the worst things you can do because it's contemptuous. Mm. It's, I'm going to look at you as an object. You don't have feelings. Um, You don't really matter. What really matters is my viewpoint. I might look at you through the lens of your political viewpoint, through your racial affiliation, through what church you go to, through what you said to me. And if I just get mad about that, Um, because you're different than I am or you say something different than I would want you to say, um, I could have chosen something else. And I think that's what's really important. That's what gets lost. My anger does not accomplish the righteous life that God wants. It is God's spirit that accomplishes the righteous life that God wants. And what I need to do is work in line with the spirit while I am dealing with my own immediate frustration in the moment. And um, when we get to the practical side of what do I need to do to process the anger, it's I I get angry and what I want to do is make sure that I just don't rush into wherever that anger takes me. This is where husbands and wives say horrible things to each other. This is where children yell at their parents, I hate you. This is where people put things on Facebook where they don't mean it. This is where people get up and at the Oscars, they 
you know, Will Smith acted in a certain way that he probably regrets acting right now. That this is when that happens. Mm. And um, it just happens over and over and over and over again. And the scripture would say, in the fruit of the spirit, love and self-control as the bookends of the fruit of the spirit. And if I can't say in my anger that it, that it demonstrates love for you and my own self-control, then the anger is out of place because it has to fit those bookends and then everything in between. And you'll notice that the fruit of the spirit does not include anger, which is really fascinating. It doesn't mean I don't have it. It just simply means that if I just go with it, it's going to take me to a place that is going to take me away from the image of God because I can't manage that anger, that wrath, those big emotions like what God can. And I need to look at it from a different angle and say, why am I angry? Well, usually I'm angry because I care. Why am I angry? Because that's not right. Why am I angry? Because I see danger in that. And I have to have enough presence of mind in order to understand why am I feeling angry? What, what is it about me that this behavior frustrates me? Now, what is it about you that I can demonstrate that I love and I care about you? Two greatest commands, we say them all the time, love God, love people. Anger's not in those commands. Mm. Love God, love people, supersede all emotional responses. So I look at that and go, even though I might be angry, how can I still love you? And sometimes the most loving thing to do is keep my mouth shut. Sometimes the most loving thing to do is to say, I don't know what to do and I, I don't need to respond. Because if I respond out of anger, I'm gonna over-respond. Yeah, I think that's one of the things where I've just noticed as I've gotten older and is that there's a lot of times that uh, someone is saying something at me and it's definitely pretty difficult yeah. to hear it. I want to get mad and I keep telling myself, you responding right now will not help any of this. And I just have to keep telling myself yep. that over yep. and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we'll talk about why that works in so, part two, but l- let me, let me go back to um, something that you're talking about in um, Colossians. So it's, it's a practical application of Colossians <clears throat> uh, chapter three where Paul writes, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You clothed yourself with those things Mm. by simply saying to yourself over and over again, if I respond, that's not going to be very good. I just need to be quiet. Uh, You're you're coaching yourself Mm. in that emotion. And you can actually hold off emotional response by coaching yourself. You can talk to yourself and not give in to that. And you can actually feel yourself giving into it, that strong emotional impulsive push. But if you can coach yourself by these ideas of putting on, becoming somebody else, you could be very, very angry and still maintain your composure, so to speak. And then he goes on to say this, um, that you are to bear with each other, forgive whatever grievances you have against each other, And notice this, forgive as the Lord forgave you. That's the big deal. God's wrath was taken out on Jesus on the cross because we can't take it. So if we can't take it, why do I think you can take it? I mean, I just look at that and I think, wow, that is really very important for me to remember is that any wrath that I meet out on another human being, they cannot take. And so I don't want to give that to them. I don't want to be mean-spirited. I don't want to treat them like an object. I don't want to not listen to them. 
I might have to say, I've done as much as I can do, and now I just have to be quiet until I let that strong emotion work through. I, I can withhold it by coaching, but ultimately, um, I want to ask myself, is my relationship with you better as a result of this, or at least the same? And then notice what he says, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds all of these qualities together in perfect unity, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Be grateful with your heart to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. In this moment of emotional, uh, this burst of emotional energy, of anger, this is these are the guidelines that mm. we're to have. Because I can always let it go by and come back later and talk about it. But if in the moment I end up getting in a tit for tat, we also know that fights escalate because they tend to get worse. They don't get better until somebody stops putting fuel on the fire. So once we start a verbal tit for tat, it can actually get out of control really, mm. really fast. Now, again, we're, we're not talking about abuse here. We're not talking about somebody being traumatized or betrayed. We're not talking about those kinds of things. We're talking about, I didn't like something, or you said something and I'm really mad at it, or I don't understand why you did that. Um, I am not being harmed while this is going on. Mm. You know, I don't, I don't have to worry about my safety. Um, I don't have to worry about whether or not um, I'm going to have any kind of really negative experience. I'm in this conflict with somebody and I am really grappling with this strong emotion. Either I've been offended or I've got my emotions hurt in some way or I feel devalued, but I am physically safe and I am not being traumatized. We do live in a country that basically says any little thing that you don't like is now identified as a microaggression. And I look at that and I go, and the scripture says that I'm to catch that microaggression and I'm to forgive you. Hmm. I, I get it. And and really, if I can have a conversation with you after that is over with, because I love you and I care about you and I want to try to have a better relationship, I actually have a better chance of ending that microaggression, if I can use today's terminology, by treating you better than you deserve to be treated in that moment from a human standpoint. That, that comes from... Um, Psalm 103, verse 9, where God says he treats us better than we deserve. I love that. Treats us better than our sins wouldn't let us be treated. And, and if I believe somebody's sinning against me, it is still my goal to treat them better than they deserve because that's what Jesus did. And I look at that and go, man, that just blows my mind. How in the world am I going to treat somebody better when I'm just really, really, really frustrated with the way that you're treating me? Because I want to treat you the way you're treating me or I might want to treat you just a little bit worse because I'm angry with you. And then it becomes all about me and my emotion in that time. And I need the Holy Spirit to hold me together. I need to have um, gotten ready. This is what's really interesting to get ready for that moment because I know it's coming. I know we live in a world where we're just going to get mad and frustrated. And I want to really be impacting the world for Christ, for good, rather than just getting out there and trying to impact it for the way that I think that it ought to be. So I was looking at this, um, when as, as someone's been listening to this, um, the first 10 or 15 minutes of this, where do you want them to go from here with this? 
like when if they're here in this right now, like what 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 is it? Where do you want them to go? Yeah. with it. Yeah, I think that um, we all have to go to the foot of the cross. Okay, with our own emotions. Uh, when the scripture says get rid of something, we know that that's just something we're going to have to get rid of on a regular basis. So um, let's just kind of go into some of the practical. Sure, uh, we've got five practical steps to take in this first place. And the very first one is to commit yourself to Christ. And um, I know that I'm talking to people and some have committed themselves to Christ and some have not. And so all I want to say is this, that when God's spirit, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in us as at the time of our profession of faith, at the time that we confess Jesus, when, when we are baptized into him, when we embrace him and we commit our lives to him, we have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And what I have found is that the Holy Spirit is greater than our emotion. Hmm. And um, I'm not greater than my emotion because in that moment, I am my emotion. And I can kind of coach myself with enough practice, but I really like this Christian perspective that I have a journeyer with me, the presence of God in my life who I can count on and I can ask for help and I can allow for God's presence to help direct me in mysterious, mysteriously good ways that can be really helpful. And so one of the very first steps that you're looking at is you have to say to yourself, as you're listening to this today, is that I need to commit myself to Christ, maybe for that first time. And I would just say, call the church and talk to somebody, call, call a church and talk to somebody, or I need to reaffirm my commitment to say, Lord, I really need your help in this topic of anger, because I know that it can really grab me and it could get to me. And I know that I'm talking now and people are listening to this and they've already been mad today or this week. Because <laughs> it's a universal feeling, right. you know, it's a universal way of doing it. And it's like, okay, since I am angry, how do I handle that in a biblical way? And the very first way that you have to look at that is to say, I, I'm going to handle that this way. And the scripture says, that my anger, when I act on it against my spouse, when I act on it in social media, when I act on it against somebody, is not going to accomplish the righteous life that God wants and that I have to use a different approach. The anger fuels the strength of the response, but the anger should not dictate the response. So I'm angry about this, so I am going to do something about it, but I am not going to resort to wrath, malice, slander, abuse, violence to accomplish it, but I am going to do something about it. And I think that's really important is that anger becomes the motivator, but it doesn't dictate what I should actually do. And I think that's the big decision between a redeemed person and somebody who just goes with what the anger is actually saying. And the very first place then is to recognize that this could be bigger than me and I really need to have this relationship with Christ. So as you're looking at commit yourself to Christ, and if the person's listening to this, you, you're also wanting us to recognize, let me make sure I understand this correctly too, that it's like, this is us beginning to be proactive before the next time that we get mad oh, yeah. or yeah, have angry, day. that yeah. we're already kind of starting to think about how we're going to handle that situation. Yes. Yeah, every day. So that starts right now of going, I'm going to commit today to Christ of how I'm going to handle Yes. Yeah. All, all my emotions, yes. I now, guess. Scott, you and I have talked about this before, and I don't remember which podcast these are in, but I always tell people it takes a good solid six weeks mm. to really get a new habit down. So if I start today and I say every day, I'm going to say 
to God, I need your help to deal with my emotions today. I will probably forget on day three to do that. And I could feel really bad about that. Well, it's a new skill. It's a new habit. And I need to just keep getting back on track. And after going through this for about six weeks, um, I will more than likely every day say, Lord, I just really need your help with my emotions today because I know that they could at any moment's notice get out of control. Like this morning, um, I woke up this morning and I'm thinking about my day and I'm just thinking, I have so much to do. I don't want to be anxious about it. I don't want to be frustrated about it. I don't want to be tense about it. And I remember, because I've, I've had to practice these things, and I said, Lord, you have to help me today to hold back those emotions because I'm a get or done person. And if I can't control it and get it done in the flesh, then I'm going to feel the, the stress and the strain and maybe the anxiety of it all. And I just said, Lord, I'm going to pray through my day. I'm just going to ask you to help me. I'm going to ask you to nip and tuck these emotions, get these tasks done. And as of today, right now at this podcast, I've gotten everything done that I needed to do today. And I wasn't sure I could get it done by five o'clock. And it was only two o'clock when we started. I don't know how that happens, but I know that God is capable of blessing us and keeping us calm and moving us forward when we pray. Philippians chapter four, six through nine tells us that when we pray, we exchange our anxiety for peace. And that's really what I was asking for. Please exchange my anxiety for peace. I will also pray and ask him to exchange my anger for peace, my anger for patience, my anger, and say, Lord, I'm just frustrated about this, but I don't want it to ruin my day. I don't want to be focused on this. I don't want to be overly nervous about this. And I need you to come alongside to help hold me together. Colossians 1.17 says that he does so that I can actually flourish and function the way that you want. And without a relationship with Jesus, you don't get this. But this is the daily walk that you and I talk about with a very strong emotion that I'm dealing with big emotions in my life. And if I'm dealing with somebody... uh, for example, that I'm frustrated with, then that's what I pray about is, Lord, just please help me to, mm. to not be afraid to have a conversation. Please help me to, to be in charge of, of myself when I speak. Please help me to be calm when I talk. Please help me to be thoughtful. Help me see that person as a hurting person too. And um, that's what you're really doing here when you commit yourself to Christ is every day you are simply saying, my life is too big, there's too much happening, and I need your help. And I need your help in this way. And learning how to do that on a regular basis is amazing. And what you'll find for everyone who's listening, if you do this and then you forget, the days that you do it actually function better mm, yeah. than the days that you don't. And that's how you know it works. And, and until you do it, you don't see that it works. Okay, so step number one is commit yourself to Christ. Mm-hmm. Step number two. Yeah, commit yourself to be accountable to another person. You gotta let somebody know that you're working on this. Um, my greatest delights are talking to people about real things. And so when I'm working with somebody who's dealing with anger, since that's our topic, and that person says, hey, I want you to check up on me and ask me how I'm doing with my anger. And I say, how are you doing with, your, with being angry with whatever it is? And that person says, you know, I've kind of had a rough week. I look at him and say, man, you know, some weeks are like that. And I want you to know, thanks for telling me what those are. Tell me a little bit about your week. Because... The greatest time, the the time that people tend to quit the most is when it becomes the hardest. And so if you're doing this for a while, 
the greatest quit time is when people just get frustrated. If you're doing this for a while, let's say you're doing this for three months or six months and you're still not being able to quit being as angry as you want, you're going to feel like it doesn't really matter. I'm going to quit. When in reality is the more that something is embedded inside of a person, the longer it generally takes to overcome it. Does it work better? Like what, when you say commit yourself to be accountable uh, to another person, um, is that is that more of a of a friend or someone you already have to do some accountability with, or or is it a spouse or a family member or like yeah. what? I mean, is there a certain level there that you need to um, yeah. decide who that person would be? I guess it could be with anybody as long as it's not somebody you have conflict with. Okay, fair so, enough. Yeah, so if you're having marital conflict, it needs to not be your spouse because your spouse will look at you in a moment of weakness and say. I thought that you were going to deal with your anger and you're not dealing with your anger. And that, of course, is going to send you over the moon. So what you need is somebody who doesn't rely on you to not be angry, that you're not going to be angry with to say, man, I blew it again, or I punched a hole in the wall, or I broke something and I feel really bad because that's what happens. You have this big surge, you might do something. And then when all that surge goes away, which we'll talk about in part two, then you feel bad about it. And the people that you've done that around look at you like, what in the world just happened to you? And I don't know that I want to be around you. And so the person that you're not having that anger with is that person that can help you to say, okay, you need to go and apologize. You need to go and recommit yourself to doing this the right way. You need to get out of that situation if you find yourself wanting to break something again. And that becomes your coach with just working your plan, uh, just helping you to think through because you've got to have that mental rehearsal in your own mind about what am I going to do when I get to be so angry that I don't know what else to do. Yeah. And that's where, you know, your grandmother said, if you don't have something nice to say, yeah, don't say anything at all. And you just say that over and over and over again. And that's really good advice. And you need somebody who's in your corner, so to speak, your, your actual physical coach that can just simply remind you and then say, hey, man, I, I'm so sorry this has happened to you. We just need to keep working on it. And you just got to stay with it because you can do this, especially in Christ, you can do this. Okay, so number one, commit yourself to Christ. Number two, commit yourself to be accountable to another person. Mm -hmm. Uh, What is number three? Uh, Be in a faith community. All right. Um, You just can't be alone. Um, I am really concerned with how isolated people are in today's culture. You have to come out of hiding around a group of people, a small group or a group of people in your faith community that you can trust or you get to know and you can simply say to them, I need your encouragement. I'm feeling really stressed out. And there's kind of this progressive revelation that happens that people have when when you get comfortable with people, you'll talk more about your story. And eventually in a faith community, that's going to be your number one support group with people who are like, yeah, yeah, I'm so glad that you're talking to me about this and we're going to pray with you. And you can pray with them on a Sunday. You can text each other if you want to. Um, If you're in a small group, you're going to see each other on a regular basis. And you're going to be building in support. And the more support that you have, the better the chance is, the better the opportunity that you have for change. So when you say be in a faith community, are you saying that they should all know that you've made this commitment to work on your anger, or is this just to be around other people that help uplift you? Um, I would say be uh, around other people that will uplift you, and then you slowly bring them in to okay. what you're working on as you feel comfortable with okay. it. Okay. Because you don't want to overshare right. at the beginning. Right. 
So when you're still processing it, you might not say anything right off, mm-hmm. off the bat with like no. your small group or something, right. but it might be one of the things that you're just being making a conscious effort right. to make sure you're there around yes. them for well, fellowship. Well, because there are some people that you don't want to give that information to because you're not really sure what they'll do with it. Right. That's why you have already an accountable person in your life. Okay. So this faith this faith community is there to help you grow and to encourage you and to study the word of God. And out of that, there'll probably be a connection or two where you're going to say to somebody, hey, you know, I, I do have somebody that's working with me on this, but I would like for you also to periodically check with me to find out how I'm doing because I'm just working on um, not being so angry. Okay. So committed to Christ, mm-hmm. committed to accountability partner, committed to fellowship, be in fellowship, um, in a faith community, which is a great, is a great reminder there also, not yeah. just with a group of people, but with a yeah. faith community on that. Uh, number four. Yeah, I put this one down because our podcasts, our Pathways podcasts, people have to own their own faith development. And I can't rely on another person to do for me what God expects me to do for myself. And basically, I have my own relationship with God as a Christian person, and God wants me to have a voice in that relationship. He wants me to own that relationship. He wants me to pursue Him in ways that make sense to me. And so, in number four, about owning your own faith, I want to direct people to our cco.church slash pathways website and to take the assessment if they haven't taken it yet and then follow along with recommendations on that assessment for a Bible study or for a prayer life where you're really looking at these connection points because we as a church are looking at three connection points, Bible study, prayer, and community. And you can see all of those are woven into what we're talking about as as I am embracing the spiritual rhythms, there's something positive that's going to happen. And as I embrace them over the upcoming weeks, there's going to be positive motion in my life. Um, there'll be more uh, blessings than just learning how to handle my anger in a better way, um, but actually owning my own faith. And for people who are like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to start. I don't know what, I, what my options are. We have created this Pathways website, cco.church slash pathways, to be a starting place and to be a resource place. And whether you come to Christchurch or not, it's available for free. Right. And I think what's really important is that people say, today is the day that I'm going to own my own faith. Today's the day I'm going to stop just relying on the preacher to tell me what to believe or the Sunday school teacher to tell me what to believe or the podcast. I'm going to actually begin to dig in on my own for what I'm interested in to learn about my faith on my own terms. And I think that will be incredibly healthy for people because God has this uncanny way of leading you directly where you need to go for the kinds of support and help that you need. And so making sure that you say, this is my faith, I'm taking ownership of my faith, and I want to find some positive steps becomes for me um, a very important step in overcoming and managing anger. So the fifth one that we're going to go over today uh, uh Global, you just go ahead and take the time to kind of dive into this one, explain it a little bit. Yeah, the last one comes from Romans chapter 8, verse 29. And this is the overall purpose of God in our lives um, described in one sentence. And this is where Paul wrote that it is God's intention that he preordained this from the beginning of time that we would be conformed to the image of Jesus. Put in layman's terms is 
that you need to take your name, put a little hyphen behind it, and then put the word Jesus on it. So for you, Scott, it's Scott hyphen Jesus. For me, it's Peter hyphen Jesus. And what that means is that God who created us, who died on the cross for us, who redeems us, who takes care of our shame, who removes all guilt from us, knows exactly what we need so that we can holistically live in a better way in our created design. That's the image of God, is the created design. And in Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, God begins moving us back to our original design that he said, I want you to be a reflection of me in the world. And that has been spoiled. Um, and in some cases, really ruined. And God says, I can, I can take you where you are and I can move you forward. And whether or not anger is the first step that people need to deal with or something else, this verse simply says, God, you create in me the image of Jesus. I don't even know what I'm asking. I don't even know how you're gonna do that. I don't even necessarily know what this means on a practical level. I'm just telling you I'm willing. Because Scott, the secret to change and transformation is not willing myself to change, but yielding myself to change. Mm. Say that again. It's not the secret to transformational change is not willing myself to change. Having my Bible study, making sure that I get my prayer time in, coming to church every single Sunday when the doors are open, or we'd have mature Christians coming out the wazoo. It is yielding myself to change. It is in that moment when I'm frustrated saying, God, I'm not quitting. I don't really know what I need to do. I am so sorry. I have to keep going forward. You have to keep changing my life. And God uses the scripture. God uses prayer life. God uses the fellowship. God uses our friends as part of the way that he transforms us as we give him permission to do that. And that's what verse, or that's what number five is. Is That's what this verse is talking about is God has determined in advance that he wants to make us reflective of who Jesus is. And all I'm saying is I agree with that. And God, every day, you need to make, make me more like Jesus today. And what's going to happen is there's going to be changes in your life because as you give permission for God to work in your life, you actually have a softer heart to hear the nuances of what God is doing, to, to listen to the scripture better, to, to remember to pray uh, when you wanted to pray, to, to think, you know, I've not been in church for a couple of weeks. That was a commitment that I made. And I need to get back to that fellowship for the encouragement and the support and the love that I need. And I need to just keep working on all of these things because there is not a magic formula to overcome anger. Mm. There is a grouping of really positive action steps along with the transforming work of the spirit. And as God puts all of that together, he refashions us and he remakes us. We put to death and get rid of anger and he clothes us with who Christ is. And we want to just be in that process. And that's what number five is. God, keep me in the process. Make me more like Jesus. That's great. So as we finish up this podcast, so part one, we're talking about anger. I'm just going to say these uh, five steps again. First one is to commit yourself to Christ, then commit yourself to be accountable to another person, uh, be in a faith community, uh, then the challenge is, is go to our Pathways, part of our website, cco.church slash pathways. And the last one to think of before the next podcast as you're working on this is to ask God to bring out the image of Jesus in you. Yep. And that's a great reminder of that one. Anything else before we close part one of anger yeah. that you want to say? Just one last thing. Um, God would not have said, 
get rid of anger if it was impossible. Mm. That's, that's a great reminder. It is possible. And it is only possible through the transforming work of the Holy Spirit. It is not possible to do it on your own. Okay. Well, I think that's a great, that's a great challenge to leave it. So we just want to thank you for listening uh, to this podcast as we talk about anger on um, this one and also in, in part two, just encourage you uh, just to keep striving daily, taking these steps and trying this, uh, and you'll begin to see in another area of your life that you are complete in Jesus. Thank you for listening. Thanks again for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Ornogo. We hope that this teaching is helping you discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. If you're interested in learning more about Christ Church, visit us online at cco.church.